0: day on
1: CodePen Radio. Hey everybody, time for another CodePen Radio. This is number 332 where I get the chance to talk with my good friend and colleague D. How you doing D?
0: <laughs> hey Chris, doing well. How are you?
1: Good. And we get to th- we're going to take the opportunity this week to showcase just some of the very important work that D does here at CodePen. Um, you know, not to make this about me to start, but I guess I will. Part of this is um <laughs> is that I'm not good at the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a strength of mine and I've never been forced into it because I have, you know, people around me, D, who I just very much trust to know about these things because of her history in finance and just being very good at this stuff so because you know when you have somebody like d around you can kind of leave these things to to her to to help us that's just been what we've been doing so i thought we'd you know what's interesting about finance is that it's like what even is it you know like there's uh, there's some very defined things that it means and what i think about at high level i think we need information to help us run the business better you know, mm-hmm. we need to be able to look at stuff and be like, "Can we do this? Should we do X or Y? What are problem points? What are w- things that we're doing well that we can double down on?" That type of stuff. But there's a there's just a lot to it before you can kind of answer those questions. I'd say so. I'd like to hear, I guess, from you. Like, what's the what's the history and what do we do now? And you have all kinds of there's all kinds of interesting things to do here. So let's start with that. Uh, like, um. The start at the very beginning like you've been doing this for code pen forever
0: mm-hmm. right yeah and um to get even more basic than guiding business decisions i feel like my job is anything to do with money uh for code pen and we can get into specifically what that means around you know, the profit and loss statement, balance sheet and cash flow statements. And then we have this like sliding scale of what it means to run the finances of a startup at a different level. Um, A lot of our CodePen users and perhaps listeners here might work at an agency or maybe you're a single founder, like with CSS tricks, Chris, you have to kind of do these same things. But going from agency world to a smaller startup, like at inception with CodePen, and then a mid midsize startup like uh, Wufu and where CodePen is now. Chris, you and Alex worked at Wufu. And then a biggest scale, which would be like a SurveyMonkey, um, a Dropbox. Oh, yes. Right. Where we also worked. Um, but like Chris said, I've been managing CodePen's finances from inception. (laughs) Um, In the beginning, I did it as a favor (laughs) to y'all. And you guys gave me a very nice set of headphones to thank me. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And then eventually it was like a side gig. And now I'm full time at CodePen, where my main responsibilities are programming related. I'm a programmer, but then mm-hmm. I ma- manage the finances on the side uh, for CodePen. And right, right. And for any sort of uh, on that scale, that spectrum that I just described, there's a certain set of tasks that everyone has to do, right? You have to get your in QuickBooks or what have you. You have to get your revenue in there, your expenses in there so that you can then output your profit and loss statement, your balance sheet and cash flow, and then give that to your CPA, for example, because every year you got to pay taxes to the government. And then as you get bigger and bigger, there's other processes <laughs> Where you have to involve lawyers, um you know you might it might start with like just um creating the corporation. and then, as you hire employees, you have to worry about things like your um, equity, the cap table. And then every time you go to hire someone, you want to give out options in your company to that employee. So that involves, uh, running processes with lawyers, managing payroll. We use Gusto. So um, it just I would I would categorize it as finance, legal and HR. And then the bigger your company gets, someone manages all three of those as de- various departments. And at SurveyMonkey, for example, you know, we had a finance department, a legal and a HR department, which was all run by um the COO there at the time. And so it just, as it gets bigger and bigger, these tasks get bigger and bigger, but at inception, you know, you still keep the basics going, which is like the bookkeeping and taxes. Um, but as we've gotten bigger, I've been able to, uh, get help in some of that as well. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so bookkeeping is
1: one of those, isn't it? Like, like you, so you. that's one of the things that I think you can do and do sometimes do, but it's one of the more easily outsourceable things, right, is is what you'd traditionally think of as accounting.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. My background is in more in um, financial planning and analysis. So the bookkeeping is basically the input, the revenue and expenses so that you have those um, financial statements that you can look at um and then i typically am more responsible for the reporting so from the beginning i've met with you and alex to look through all of those financial statements so we can talk about the health of the business so on a monthly basis we're like this is at the very top level this is what revenue's doing this is a year over year growth rate of like you know x percentage these are expenses this is like just last year, we spent a bunch of time working on our hosting costs um, and we brought it down almost by like 50 percent, I think it was, which is huge. And that's a business decision as well, because, you know, we use AWS and we want to be able to scale code pen onto more servers um, and we just redid the entirety of our dev- devops infrastructure which i was a part of and then i got to see that like, oh that's filter through. Yeah, you see two
1: two sides of it so yeah you're right that we'd make you know that when you do these monthly reports, which are tremendously valuable, that's the moment in which you can highlight things in context. Be like, look, these server costs are actually impacting us, and they they have this trend line and and things like that. And then we can make the decision, well, let's work on that then, because it's obviously going to have a huge impact. So we can make that decision and then watch it you know, influence the health of the business from the other side. That's so different than... If you like go back on your sliding scale of companies to when you 're just like a one person company or something mm-hmm. like that, you might think of finances as basically like i don 't know open your checking account and look at the <laughs> look at what you 're spending money on you like you don 't have good processes for understanding your business you know you might just like log into the a w s dashboard and just like Oh, that looks expensive. Maybe I'll work on that. You're not really seeing it in context of the rest of your whole business. So,
0: And then as as you get bigger and depending on if that's your goal, right? Like um CodePen was started in 2012 and then in 2015 we raised our one and only round of seed funding. We raised a million dollars uh from a set of investors. They actually happened to be the co-founders of Wufu. So it was more of a friend, investor uh, seed round than going out to VCs. But as part of that process, a lot of this finance work was really important because for the investors to put their money into CodePen, they had to see that we had a vision and a fu- future planned out. And like we were talking about earlier today, there is nothing like numbers to help you make a hard decision. And so as part of that process, I took my experience working at JP Morgan and SurveyMonkey and built CodePen's first revenue model, which involved looking at the number of subscribers we had and charting out and doing like a cohort analysis to say this is the percentage of pro subscribers we're keeping on a monthly basis this is what we're charging and based on these product changes we have um in the queue we think we can grow our subscriber base by x percentage which then leads you to a revenue amount for the full year and then for the next you know two to three years, you can forecast out revenue. And that's what larger companies, public companies do as well. And at our size, it can be a really important tool. And in fact, we use it to this day, right? Like recently, we had a 401a valuation that we had to do some revenue forecasting for. And then um, just to run the business with like the product, changes we're working on now, it's really important to pull those numbers together so that Alex and Chris can think about, okay, we can now afford, you know, two more employees and these additional hosting costs. And we can do this set of raises on the expense side because our revenue growth is going to be such that it will allow it. So for you guys, I imagine it's very helpful Um, as a guiding kind of North Star. Well, helpful isn't even the word
1: for it because it's like, (laughs) what if you did this without doing that? You'd just be like, I think everybody gets this raise. Oh, that's nice. You're so generous. But oops, you accidentally made the company not profitable anymore. Like that's not acceptable, you know. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. literally can't make some of these decisions without this information. So, so yeah, I mean, helpful is the smallest word you could use for it. I'd say <laughs> it's like re- required, required stuff here. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah. so you would be, you'd be like a CEO if you if you wanted that job, right? Like if we scaled that big, you, you could maybe you. I mean, not. Guaranteed you could do it, but like you're also a programmer. So you, I guess you get to pick your own future a little bit. But that that's basically what you are. That's what you, this job would scale into. Yeah.
0: Um, I think so. And it is interesting because at our size, one of the reasons I actually love working at a size of a, of a code pen is. Um, because I get to wear so many hats. Uh, working at a larger company, you're siloed into just l- reporting on how the business is doing because you're in the you know, F- FP&A team or what have you. You don't get to impact uh, those numbers the way that I get to impact those numbers here at CodePen, because I'm also working on the DevOps side and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> making changes to our servers so that we can reduce our hosting costs. Or when we go to talk about what feature set we're going to implement in um, this new like version of the product that we're working on. A lot of times when I speak up, it is based on Oh, we need to focus on teams, or we need to focus on churn, based on the forecasting that I do is kind of on the side, and so I also view my job as being able to bring those numbers to the entire team and have that be an easier way for us to make business decisions because because we're a company of soon to be nine people. we get to be part of the business in a way that you don't get to be part of at a at a larger company. You have such a large impact and I have you yeah, part of and my you like
1: it. You love Yeah.
0: It. I, I, I do. Um there's not that level of transparency at a bigger company. I, I just in the way that I program, I, I like to learn about the entire system right? Like I like to do front-end work, back-end work, and ops work because that's the entirety of your product. And that might not scale to a bigger company where you're siloed. But for me, I've always loved to learn the entire system. And then the finance part is part of the system of running a small business really, really well. Yeah. So,
1: I wonder how far. I mean, it certainly can still, I would guess... A little bit further, at least than where we are now. You know, I, I think I would be bothered by that too. If I got to this point where my job was so specific that I felt like I had lost sight of the hole or something, mm-hmm. there that I couldn't, I, uh, my impact wasn't really steering the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be a that would be a bummer. <laughs> but it can be nerve wracking if you have too much control. It's kind of like, yeah, but but then I can steer it into an iceberg. And I don't like that either, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> or or you have too much on your plate and then you feel, um, you know, you're like, oh, I should be doing a bunch of programming related tasks or a bunch of uh, finance related tasks. And so like managing your time and thinking about like, what's your highest level of contribution, right? Um, Even at such a small scale when there's so few people. Uh, It ends up being like a daily struggle because I could easily spend so much more time like doing a cohort analysis for CodePen right now. But is that where I'm going to make the biggest impact these days? Probably not, (laughs) because we need more of the programming help at this point than the finance help, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see there's a couple aspects there, like trying to decide for yourself what has the most impact. And then, like, you know, sometimes that's a little bit of a group decision. And then, whatever the decision is, even if you, you know, or if, or or sometimes the decision gets like deferred, you know, or something. And then it comes with this weird level of guilt, you know, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? Mm -hmm. Should I have Mm -hmm. been doing this other thing? Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But then there are moments where I know I've been able to, influence the entire team's thinking. Like, for example, last year, we had this presentation that Marie and I made about the analytics strategy at CodePen. And there were like three or four sets of um, key performance indicators, KPIs, that we could have looked at, like looking at our conversion funnel, right? Like CodePen has a a lot of traffic. And we see a lot of users coming to CodePen to look at other people's work, to look at pens. But then as they move through our conversion funnel, what percentage of those users are paying for CodePen? What percentage are pro users? And we don't have any issues with the top of the funnel, but we do have a harder time getting them to be pro users because there's a lot of work in that. We have to make sure they're getting value. There's a lot of learners who come to CodePen. And a lot of times it's like, oh, I want to learn to code from CodePen, but that takes a lot of time and work. And so are we providing them the right tools? So we could have looked at conversion funnel. And then there was also churn. How many of our users who buy a pro subscription are then staying with us month after month or year after year. There's a percentage that we can apply to that. It should be, you know, industry standard is two to Uh three percent. CodePen's a bit higher. And so there's all these ways that we could have used these metrics to help improve. But during the presentation, the team mentioned that if you don't pick a single North Star metric, then you're trying to work on multiple at a time and you're diverting your time and resources and you don't actually end up making progress in a single one. And so we picked Churn and now um, on a monthly basis, uh, Marie uh, digs into Churn and looks at how many users did we lose why how many people came in to support to talk to us about it what else can we do and then i try to add trends like churn trends um you know how many pro users are we getting how many are we losing and at the end of the day what is the net add or the gain that we have on a monthly basis and so because we've tried to make that a part of our dna we're trying to make more data driven decisions constantly. And we're always talking about that. And we have this monthly process where Marie, um, you know, presents her report and such. And the entire team is educated and it's at the top of mind for everyone. So it, I, I think that battle between how much code should I be writing versus how much should I be focusing on finances, Um when you can do something like that you realize that the finite side can have a huge impact on the business and on code pen as well
1: right that's interesting to think about right that it doesn't have to be you're not just moving the needle it's not like you're just all you do is measure hmm. you also you're you kind of make choices that end up influencing direction which is just as needle moving as anything else you can do
0: yeah yeah hopefully
1: yeah yeah hopefully yeah I, yeah, I agree with that. That's it's been it feels like a long time since we picked our north star and it's like there's no doubt that that's the right star to focus on even if we haven't perhaps influenced it as much as we'd like to have. We're still like still like absolutely looking at that as like the kind of savior metric, you know.
0: Yeah, we're we're looking at it as we need to make sure we provide value to the people using CodePen and every product decision we make, we think about that way, right? Like we're trying to bring in more professional developers to CodePen. And so if we want to keep them using CodePen and paying for CodePen, we have to make sure that the feature set we pick solves their problems and then is sticky enough where they get so much value from using CodePen that they it's it's a no-brainer to be like, of course, I want to pay code pen for this service because it makes my life every day as a developer so much better. So this new feature set we're working on, that's the entire goal and we talk about that constantly.
1: Right. That wasn't just picked out of thin air. It was picked on for those yeah, yeah, exactly like you said. I don't need to expound on it anymore. That's a that's a perfect answer. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you in part by Retool for Startups. So, Retool, you know, retool.com, remarkably good tooling for building admin tools, internal tools, and stuff. Retool for Startups is a special program that they're offering. So, this is what they say after working with thousands of startups, they've noticed that technical founders spend a ton of time building internal tools. Been there, Uh, which means that less time on the core product so we built retool for startups a program that gives early stage founders free access to a lot of the software they need for building great internal tooling the goal is to make it 10 times faster to build admin panels, CRUD apps, and dashboards that most early stage teams need. So they bundled together. It's a free year of access to Retool and then $160,000 of discounts for tools like AWS, MongoDB, Brack Segment, you know, really popular tooling uh, for building. Uh, any kind of web software really so use your retool credits to build tools that join product and billing data together into a single customer view tools that convert manual workflows into fully featured apps for your team tools that help non-technical teammates read and write to the database and so much more so it's retool.com slash startups that'll get you to the form to apply for this so there's you know some uh, uh, criteria for it like you're less than five years old and things like that not you as a person the company you have to be over five years old as a person i'm pretty sure so check out the site apply join webinars all that stuff retool.com slash startups If we do a little bit of nitty gritty on the on the the finance stuff a little bit, like mm-hmm. what is that job, you know, mm-hmm. what are what's the the basic building blocks of what it was? You said that there's these three kind of outputs that matters, which is P and L or profit and loss balance sheet and cash flow those don't just make themselves i take it
0: <laughs> nah they require some work um yeah i'll start with the the cash flow because that's kind of like a um, everyday piece right we have multiple revenue streams we have our pro subscriptions we also do advertising um, the pro subscriptions are pretty easy because it's subscription based billing we use stripe and paypal uh but then there's like moving the cash that comes in around from different accounts and the same for account uh, for our advertising it all has to end up kind of in the main checking account so i do that on a monthly basis and then on um kind of a daily basis we have bills that come in. We use enterprise software like Cloudflare and Elasticsearch, and they have a more manual invoicing process where I'll have to like confirm the spend expenditure and be like, yes, you can charge us. And then we have some contractors as well. And it's really important that we pay our people, all of our people in a timely manner. Um, So some of that will be more manual wire transfers. But then most of the time I use, um, we use Gusto to manage payroll, and Gusto is great because they handle employer taxes for us. We are based in many different states. We're based in Washington. We have employees in Washington, Oregon, Texas, Virginia, um, and also Idaho now. So that means we need to have employer tax accounts with each of those states. So we just hired um, a GoLanger, and he. Works out at Idaho, so I had to go in and set up um, tax accounts for Codepen with various <laughs> departments in Idaho. That was just Idaho. so
1: fun, wasn't it? God, that's oh my god, joy, super of fun my work. <laughs> joy of my life,
0: joy of my life. So that's the cash flow statement, and at the end of the day, those invoices and moving revenue tells us how much cash do we have on hand um that gives us our run rate how long could we run codepen um with this amount of cash with this mu- this many employees and so we're always keeping an eye on that um outside of our monthly reporting that's really important because for us at codepen we care a lot about being profitable because um there's a immense responsibility for the people who work here you know and who rely on codepen for their for their livelihood so cash flow is very important. And then on the balance sheet, that's like assets and liabilities, but then more importantly, uh, equity. Uh, I mentioned we had a round of funding in 2015, which means that those investors got a percentage of ownership of CodePen for investing that 1 million in CodePen. Um, We use software called Carta. To track our shareholders and our percentages, percentage ownership. Um, we also have this uh, equity incentive plan, which are grants that we give out to employees. So we're onboarding a new employee now, and that means amending the EIP and working with our lawyers to do that. Um, we have done share buybacks in the past and investor repurchases or a 401a valuation so that's just keeping our cap table up to date which Does is that
1: express itself every month is there a monthly balance sheet
0: yes mm-hmm. there's a monthly but mm-hmm. and
1: usually the cap table just sits there month to month but s- sometimes it doesn't
0: right right sometimes it doesn't yeah exactly um and then the final financial statement is the profit and loss the PL, which is literally you know Revenue minus expenses equals profit. So that tells us, based on how much revenue we're making every month and then how much we're spending, do we have any cash left over? Um, and that process, there's, we have a set of expenses that are pretty common and recurring on a monthly basis but then there might be like offhand expenses and usually you know I try to budget for that and then when we budget for employee expenses like raises and things like that so that's the expense side and then right it's not as clean as mm -hmm. you'd
1: think it is right because it's kind of like You'd think, oh, there better be some money every month, but it's Mm -hmm. like sometimes there just isn't because you got to like buy a bunch of computers or you got to buy a bunch Mm -hmm. of reserved instances or something. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's ways to model that out so that you kind of like smash it out over multiple months. But a lot of times it just looks like you had the worst month ever, but but you didn't really –
0: Right. Exactly. Like reserved instances are pretty costly, but you pay for those like every three years or so to to AWS because they're cheaper in the long run if you do reserved instances. Uh, so uh, with any of this reporting you have to look at it, the time period, the trend, right? You can look at it on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, and an annual basis. So, you know, on you might have one month where you're paying for reserved instances. Uh, but then if you look at it in the full year, you are profitable, right? So the key is just having a handle on when those big expenses come up and knowing you have enough reserves to be able to deal with it and then as a whole on an annualized basis how healthy is your business and um we have been uh doing a great job at that i will say
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's good to have a like a you know just like a like an absolutely accurate look at what the heck's going on at any level of your business it's just pretty cool you know even when it sucks you know even when you're like well that's a bummer, but at least we know, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's,
0: it's, it's better to face those issues head on, just like anything else. Like I remember listening to you and Alex's like conflict conversation, um, podcast episode. It's, important to face the hard stuff, even though it's hard, like nothing is going to improve if you put your head in the sand and are like, I'm just not going to look at my expenses because maybe it'll just be okay." (laughs) I'm a, a, a firm believer of knowing the numbers and just dealing with what comes and then ideally managing it so that you are going in a positive direction because if you don't know the bad or the good, you can't really do anything about it. But when you do, you can make sure you're on the right track because even then it's still hard to make sure you're Uh focusing on the right numbers and making the decisions that will impact those metrics, right? That's still really hard even if you do all the – accounting and reporting correctly it's still really hard to make the the right decision to move the needle on the right metric um which i think is speaks to more of some of the decisions you and alex have to make and the trade-offs you guys have
1: yeah because it doesn't tell you how easy or hard a thing is like if you say oh th- we spend a lot of money here that doesn't tell the story of how easy it is to change that number. You then have to look at it and be like, oh, there's actually a lot of opportunity here. Or I didn't realize this was such a big problem or benefit. We should hit that harder. Because You just don't know. The numbers don't tell you that. That's like mixed mm-hmm. with your intuition of and knowledge of how, how the business is, is going, you know. The easier numbers to turn are like, yeah, then let's turn those. But some of them are really hard. No business in the world just gets to turn the churn knob.
0: Right, no. or even the hosting knob, right? Um, that took like six months of development work and new software like Palumi, and redoing every single server that CodePen had and at the end of the day like reporting on the hosting number is a lot easier than changing the hosting number right yeah. so it's yeah. just more more of a like the north star and kind of like a guiding system so that you can make the right decision and put in work into the right areas
1: well that's great thanks for talking with me we will have to do you know, maybe we can do one sometime that gets into like the tooling and the, the tricks of all this, you know, like if somebody's like, oh, I know I need to have a cash flow statement, but like, oh, like, how do I even get started? You know, it might be interesting to see how you like what all the tooling is that we use to kind of make this manageable at all. I mean, like you said, you're not this isn't even your full time job far from it. Right. So you got you got to have some tricks up your sleeve to get it all done. <laughs>
0: Totally. I feel like our like listeners would be so bored by that <laughs> episode though. I don't know if anyone's going to tune into that, but if you think it's uh, helpful for people, I'd be happy to do it, but I doubt well, it. Well, I don't know. even just like,
1: yeah, I won't, uh, I won't, I won't force it on you unless you have an epiphany of what it is. But I think of like, you know, we use QuickBooks online probably, right? Cause I don't even know if we do anymore, yep, but that like, that's right. uh, that outputs, some of these statements it's just you got to make sure they're all right you know so I'm it's sorry. like that mm-hmm. tool alone and i don't think that's an epiphany for people like yeah you should probably use quickbooks it's industry standard your cpa mm-hmm. will definitely be able to digest it but that's kind of good information to know when you're re- really early on like don't yes. do it in your own little excel file that's not going to oh, yeah. end well for you, you
0: yeah, know? Yeah, yeah use so software my friends software, software is indeed. always your friend
1: and Gusto has been good to us too. That's the payroll thing, but it's like it's so like weirdly affordable. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like is you know it's like not it's a, probably a little more expensive than CodePen, but not too far off. You know, it's like why is that so cheap? But anyway, it does a great job and because
0: they probably have great churn. It's super sticky, I'm sure. Like I we used to use ADP in the like very beginning. And a lot of the, the startups that come into these world, this the finance world, um, there's just so much room for improvement. And Gusto was 100% one of those companies where they just brought modern software techniques to the world of payroll. Like, you know, with ADP, you'd get a PDF of everything. And with Gusto they've got interactive UI and tables and where you can filter your reports by a certain date and things like that so uh there's a lot of like modern software improvements yeah the people should know
1: that pick that pick something that's going to be that fits (laughs) with your especially because that's our that's our like heritage you know it's like good software so we try to use good software too
0: always Um, yeah
1: yeah yeah and then pilot we use for the the accounting aspect of it which has a little bit of tech that they use like you'll get at least Mm -hmm. on the what i what i deal with it they'll be like oh go to this url look at these transactions that we don't know what they are could you help categorize them that's certainly Mm -hmm. a lot easier than like an email that you just have to like describe what the transactions are like that sucks
0: and 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 then they're built on top of stripe as well you know you can anytime you talk to me about like fintech stripe will be at the top of my list and i'll talk about it the whole time but um Pilot is able to categorize our revenue um, in an automated fashion because we use Stripe. And bookkeeping is arduous because it takes a human being to look at every expense and every amount of revenue you get and categorize it like, oh, that's, you know, a cog's item, that's hosting, that's software, that's like professional development. You have to have the human being make that decision. And so um, to the extent that you can automate it and have a computer do it, then you are bringing modern software and speed into finance. Uh, There are a ton of startups out there who do that. But what's interesting is there always still tends to be a a manual element. So with Pilot, we have a team of um, professional accountants working on our books, but then Pilot is trying to bring in more software by doing things like recognizing revenue through Stripe. They've probably built software for that. And then they're trying to scale up their business by working with like a hundred code pens. Like you use it for CSS tricks as well. And giving us um, a portal, a UI to be like, Oh no, that categories cur- categorization is wrong. It shouldn't be software services. It's actually professional development. And so they're mm-hmm. taking more of the manual human element out of it, which is kind of what we do with software. Um, so there's, a ton of room to disrupt finance in that way.
1: Yeah, I think I don't. I don't have mostly positive things to say about that experience. It's just I use them for more than just CodePen. You know, I use them on the CSS trick side as well. And I think this is relevant because we've been talking about churn and mm-hmm. um, and Augusto probably has super low churn, right? Because of how they mm-hmm. lock into Pilot probably does too, because they get into your workflow like this and they provide pretty clear value that it's like, oh, why switch? You know, that yeah. sucks. But one yeah. year, you know, I, they had it locked into a price. The next year comes and they said you're cost is 4x what it was last year and i was like you flipping kidding me get out of here you know and 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 guess what i said okay you know i couldn't even fight i tried to like baby hand slap fight and it obviously went nowhere (laughs) and i I couldn't because i don't want to switch you know? But 4X, so be aware of that, you
0: know? Yeah. And I mean, that makes complete sense for you with CSS tricks, right? Like you want to be focusing on writing articles and being on top of tech so that you can bring that to readers, right? You don't want to be focusing on doing bookkeeping all the time. And that's kind of that conversation we had of like, what size are you on the scale of companies? And in the beginning, you know, if you're A single founder or an agency, you might be doing some of that on your own. But then as you get bigger and bigger, you want to outsource that to a company like Pilot. And it does make an impact if their job can be if you have fewer transactions and setting up your um, like your checking accounts in a way where categorization is easy for them does help. Like for CodePen, for example, I have separate um, checking accounts for our advertising revenue versus our subscription revenue, and it's isolated to that revenue category so that it's really easy for their accountants to be able to to categorize that properly so there's some you know tricks that you can do to to make their job a little bit easier, but that's definitely something you wanna outsource as your business gets bigger
1: <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Dee. Yeah,
0: no oh, problem. Thanks for lightning? chatting with me.
1: <laughs> sure. All right, everybody. See you next time.
0: Bye.